Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I have one of my favorite humans on today to tell you about an amazing product that we both love. Why, thank you, honey. This is Milkman Mark Hyman here telling you about the almond cow, which I saw on those Instagram posts, and I thought, we've got to have one of these and see whether it is actually as good as it looks. And it is. It's actually even better because there are things that you can make out of it. Almond milk, oat milk. Cashew milk. Uh, coconut milk. Anything you want, you can make in this. And what's great is you have, there are fewer preservatives, less sugar, and then what you get left over at the end is this pulp that you can make into, can make cookies or muffins, so nothing goes to waste. And it's there anytime, so if you run out of milk, you don't have to run to the store. It is so amazing. We love it, love it, love it. So if you want to get your own, check out the link and use code LARA for extra savings. Approved by The Milkman. Good movement, and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, where you all ask the questions and we answer them. I am joined, as always, by my fearless, gorgeous co-host, Kristen Williams. Thank you, Lara. Thank you, everybody. We are so glad to be here. Um, yes. Let's go ahead and get started. Why don't you start us off, Lara? Yeah, we have a great question. This is from Alex Negru. She actually did our teacher training. She says, I have a question for the podcast, if it's interesting. I've been having intense knee pain that keeps me up for part of the night. I feel it a bit during the day, but it really kicks in when I lie down to sleep. I suspect osteoarthritis, but I feel I'm so young for that. Yes, you are. I have a doc appointment soon. It's in my family, though. That being said, I'm um, super active daily. I walk a lot, practice lit, and some high-intensity impact, high-impact movement, including jumping, because I love it. I use a pillow under my knees or between, depending on the position of sleep. I'm just discouraged, and it felt like feels like chronic pain right now that I have a hard time shaking off. Would you recommend any specific movement or discourage other movements? I love hiking, and just the idea of not being able to move freely scares me and makes me borderline depressed. Thank you. Well, Alex, do not be afraid. <laughs> okay. First of all, we, I know Alex. Alex is too young. All right. She just had a baby, so I don't even know her in age, but she's in her late 20s to 30s. So, um, And you can have stuff like this in your history. And we really need to believe that genetics is a small part that can become a huge, big thing, but it is kind of like the beginning of a stream and where we can veer it off and change the flow we can do through our lifestyle. 
So I think it's really important for anyone who has parents or histories in their family, um, especially of these types. I'm not talking like autoimmune things, but like degenerative arthritis, things like this. You are not destined to have that happen to you. So believe that first. Secondly, um, it sounds like this came on all of a sudden, but anything that comes on all of a sudden has a history, <laughs> unless you just had some kind of, you know, like twist of your knee or something. The fact that it hurts you when you're still is, is, is interesting because that is more um, of a kind of joint type of, it can be an ache um, when you're not doing anything versus when you start doing something, uh, your, the joints usually feel better. And sometimes even the tendons feel better and then they don't feel good, just kind of at rest. So there's obviously something going on in the joint itself um, and perhaps the surrounding, you know, structures. I would, like we always say, examine what you're doing during the day. If it's a knee issue, it's rarely the knee. It's really either the foot, ankle, or the hip, possibly up the chain, but it's rarely the knee, unless you're like kneeling all day at something um, that would explain that. So we also know, Alex, you have, I think your baby is like 16, 18 months old. I'm not sure exactly, but young baby. So you could still have the, even though it's been a while since you were pregnant, you can still have some of the lax, lax, laxity and the lackadaisicalness of your body, meaning maybe your pelvic floor, maybe your core, even though I know you're super strong. These are all participants in giving, unloading the knee joint. So if you're moving around a lot and then you become still, my, and that's when it hurts, my guess is that it's something that's happening above or below. And I would really say, unless I, you had a lot of ankle um, you know, rigidity, that it's probably something in your pelvis, especially knowing that you had a birth and that you did have some challenges with your birthing process. I know some of that. I don't know all the details. So I would, first of all, are you spending some time out of your shoes? I'm sure you are. Are when you're walking, I like sometimes putting on too much, like too big of a um, cushion on your shoes uh, makes your joints actually work harder because you're not getting that energy. It's being um, diminished uh, and dissipated in the cushion of the shoe. So I would look at your shoes. Then I would really look at what's going on in your pelvis. What's going on in your pelvic floor, in, your, in the engagement of the pelvis? Um, you know, when people talk about having, after having babies, having leakage or having hypertonicity, these are both, these are in a spectrum of an imbalanced core activation. So hypertonicity does not mean that your pelvic floor is strong. It just means your nervous system is anxious and it might be anxious to try and stabilize it. It might be anxious because you have a baby that you're worried about, you know. <laughs> I mean, those first two years of life, all you're worrying about is like making sure they're safe, you know. So there's a lot of stuff we carry we might not even be aware of that's more less less visible. So like, what is your stress like? We never would think a knee pain could be related to stress, but I promise you, 
it's related to your pelvis in my like in my opinion without looking and that might be related to your stress um and it might be related to the engagement of your core and how you need to stabilize but not clench i could go on and on but let's see if i'm in the bullseye what do you think kb i wish we had yeah. a picture i would say let me see you squat let me see you do it um do some kind of core work like what's happening in the core what's happening in your plank is your pelvis tipped in because if your pelvis is tipped in plank sorry i didn't mean to interrupt if you're this a lot of people say this i taught a class the other day and we're doing these one-legged plank walks i say if you feel this in your knee then you don't need to do this but no the reason you're feeling in the knee is your pelvis is not in alignment if you tip your pelvis forward and you pick up one leg guess what that all that pressure is going into the bottom knee so that is just information that you need to stabilize your pelvis via all the surrounding core muscles. Well, I, I agree with you. Um, I interesting when she said it hurts at night. You know that is usually when someone says that you're sort of like, hmm, <laughs> because you know most things. To your point, joints a lot of times feel better when you move them until it gets to be too much. And then you usually have to sit down if a joint is, you know, really arthritic or, you know, wear and tear. Um, but, you know, we definitely caught, consider night pain to be a little bit of a flag as to, you know, what, what else could possibly be going on? Because in theory, when you think about it, when you're supine at night, there is no weight through that joint any longer. So why is it bothering you? Um, and I do, knowing that she is a new mom, um, and she sounds like she's very active. So walking, hiking, uh, doing lit, you know, is she giving her body proper rest? And did she give her body proper retraining after the baby? Um, that would be, and that's where I agree with you, Laura, when it comes to the pelvis, you know, like is her core, you know, Alex, is your core really engaged? Are your hips re-engaged? Are you still, that's your point, I love the lackadaisical. You know, are you still, I mean, for years I was walking around just blah, 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 you know, <laughs> rectus, diastasis. But running marathons, right? Running so, yeah, marathons, yeah. didn't do anything. You know, my goal was to run a marathon before the baby turned one. I look back at that and I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? You dope. I didn't know anything. I didn't know any better. And I just, it was again, my ego. And I'm not saying that about you. I'm just saying, knowing there's no way I had my shit together. Um, and knees are interesting. The other thing I would like to know is where, you know, where is it a localized pain? Is it a generalized pain? Do you have swelling? You know, do you have other signs and symptoms? Um, and to your point, Laura, thinking about the surface, you know, are you, what are you walking on? How old are your hiking boots? You know, um, how much are you really getting into using your glutes and not so much on your quads, you know? And that again is where we're talking about having our, our stuff together, being really integrated. I know we all, at least me, I, I'm talking to Allie, one of our staff members is, uh, and our ambassadors is, um, uh, about ready to have a baby, like literally maybe in a week. Probably by the time this comes out. Probably, so yes, that, by yeah. the time this aired. And just kind of talking to her about, you know, when you're an athlete, and, and Allie's an iron woman, you know, really having to pull back on, you know, when you've been unable to do what you want to normally do, and then you have that baby and you're like, Whoa! 
you know, that's when we're going to hurt ourselves. Mm -hmm. So yes, I would, like you said, Laura, look above and below, look at your pelvis, make sure you are engaged in your, in your core, in your hips, because that's where it's coming from. Most likely. Yes. It could be foot and ankle. Like you said, the foot and ankle is where I say, let's look at what she's walking on. You know, let's look at, let's look at her stride length. Let's, you know, things like that, but that would be a deeper dive into biomechanics. But in the short term, are you just giving your body some rest also? Mm -hmm. You know, when, when we have pain, pain is our body's way of saying, hello, <laughs> something's not, something's not working optimally. That could and be the so, stress. It could be I, simply that you're overdoing it yep. and you're not having enough rest. Not having enough rest. Mm -hmm. And not, not to mention, probably haven't had enough rest with a new baby for a while. And so, you know, your body and having a history, you know, that could be, again, if there's a family history, stress will bring on familial. We've seen this stress will bring on genetic problems. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what, what might you need to do to, even though you really want to go, go, go. And I'm right there with you, girl. Um, I have to remind myself these stupid Apple watches, you know, I love mine, but then you get in this thing where it's like, Oh my God, I got to close all my rings. I got to close all my rings. And then Finally, me going, why am I answering to this thing? I'm so active. I need rest. Yeah. And, you know, that could be your body's way of telling you that too. And I think it's, this, this should be like a PSA for all pregnant women, postnatal women, is that it is not, you know, this whole like, oh, six weeks, go back to doing whatever. And I think, Alex, if I remember correctly, you had a C-section. So that's a whole other, you know, thing. Like that is not, that is a... That is an actual surgical, um, mm -hmm. you know, recovery. And they give you six to eight weeks, but you have to actually think six to eight weeks, if you were just coming in pretty strong, not having sleep deprivation, not having hormonal stuff, like we should give ourselves six months. That doesn't mean don't do things, but really ramp up slowly. So like Kristen said, use pain as a friend. Pain is a communication. It yeah. is seriously an interpretation of your brain. Like it is not, pain is real, but it's actually the, the interpretation um, from the brain. It's information and it's decoded as something is in danger, right? Or, or in, and that's essentially how it's programmed. So look at it more like, okay, this is my friend trying to tell me like, okay, ease off. You're doing okay, mama. Like, instead of doing this today, maybe take a 30 minute nap, you know, or maybe get a massage or, or something like that. Like do balancing things. And I know for our mental health movement, there's probably nothing that kind of tops that, but it's, it's gotta be, um, movement that is serving you, not depleting you. And so a don't despair. This is just information. And I always think of pain as like, this is kind of curious. What, how can I, how can I try something different and see if that helps? And honestly, this is not woo woo. Know that you're going to be okay. And just keep on saying, oh, there's some pain there. Okay. I'm going to rub it. We're okay. Knee. We're okay. All right. And I'm just going to, maybe you're positioning it even in bed a little bit too high. You know what I mean? Like having something under your knee may not be the answer. Um, maybe it is. I don't know. But if it's not helping and you're waking up, try not doing it. Maybe it'll be worse. Um, maybe putting some warm, some kind of warm, like 
towel or heating pad on there before you go to bed just to keep that little bit of heat flows. I've, I've known in the past when I had some kind of rib thing, I, I had the heat on. It's electric. It's low. I had it on all night, which I'm sure some, but it's not hot enough to burn me. And it just is constantly giving that area some warmth. And that has always been key for a recovery when I've had an injury or something. So we're pulling for you and write us, Alex, and let us know what's yeah, going Yeah, on. I was going to say that. Feel free to give us more info if you want. Yep. All right. Um, our second question here is from another fellow teacher, um, Julie Miller, Aussie. She says, hi, Laura and Kristen. I know you have only recently talked about uh, caring angles on your podcast, but I have a question about a student. Feel free to use this it, uh, if you like on your podcast, if you don't mind revisiting this topic. And the reason I wanted to talk about this one is she attached pictures. So if you are watching on YouTube, you can watch these and we will describe what the pictures are. She says, attached are pics of her in down dog and standing. She feels like her arms are straight in down dog. I've cued to lift up in the hip crease, lift abdominals and ribs. And this is how her down dog looks. Would her carrying angle have something to do with this? Would this cause issues and injuries down the track at all? Any tips, adjustments requ um, required would be appreciated. Thanks heaps, love Julie. So she did send some pictures. And then I also had went back and kind of asked a follow-up question um, asking her, can she in fact straighten her arms? And then I went further and said, does she have any other medical history? you know, musculoskeletal. So the answer to that was no. And then, so I'm going to show these pictures and we'll kind of describe what we're seeing. So this is the first one where she's just standing there and it's really kind of a nondescript photo. We've got another one where you can see here that, um, you know, her elbows are a little, you know, away from the body, but I'm not really seeing much by way of carrying angle in this I'm photo. I'm not either. Mm -mm. And then, but this is more dramatic where you see her downward facing dog. She clearly has bent elbows and, and significantly bent elbows. And this is where she's saying that she feels like they're straight. So then she went on and sent some more photos where this is her just standing up from the side. You can see the elbows are bent, but that is kind of a normal. Most people don't stand with totally straight elbows. And then here she is in a um, quadruped with a, you know, quite at least nice lined up quadruped, but you can see a little bit of a bend in the elbows. You can see a little bit of lack of wrist extension um, in, in the elbows here. And then finally from the front where you would perhaps, if we're talking carrying angle, expect to see a little bit something different where this is just pretty straight. Hey y'all, today's podcast is sponsored by AminoCo. AminoCo is a company that has developed products made to help you feel more energized, made to help your bones and muscles feel stronger through these essential amino acids. I use all of the products, but I'm talking about Life Formula today. I include Life Formula because I want to age well with energy and vitality. And especially because I'm going through menopause, I'm in the menopausal process, I'm focused on that healthy heart and combating muscle loss, which are two big concerns after menopause. And just like the other amino products, I really love the taste of life. It doesn't taste like funky or weird or saccharine like some formulas do. I put it in my water bottle and shake it up and have it in the midday. 
And I feel really confident that the life formula is aiding in my quest to maintain muscle density and strength, just like it helped the astronauts who were originally drinking this magical creation. If you want to learn more about that background and story of the creator, Dr. Robert Wolf, tune into my episode 569. And if you want to try it for yourself, I really highly recommend it. Go to the website aminoco.com slash lit. So that's A-M-I-N-O-C-O dot com slash lit. And you'll get a 30% off discount code lit. So go get lit up and try the life formula. This is, yeah, she, it's not a carrying angle issue at all. Yeah. I saw that picture. So everybody that is not watching on YouTube, by the way, you can watch on YouTube. Just go to Lit Yoga on YouTube and type this in. Um, it is, just imagine this like a guy at the gym who's been working out and comes out and is all buffed and kind of rounded forward. That's what I see. Like she, it's, I don't know if it's lat tightness. It is not a carrying angle. It is her shoulder. Is it because her shoulder is forward because her chest is tight? Is it uh, like her hands are rolled, her palms are rolled back. So in carrying angle, her palms would be rolled forward and the wrist would be, it would be like more like an big old L, like a hockey stick. Hers are rolled back, which tells immediately, this is like a lat thing, <laughs> all right? Because lats are internal rotators, adductors, they do other things as well. But she has the look of a, a, a again, not to stereotype, but a guy at the gym. And I see her pelvis has also got the tip. To me, like I saw that, I'm like, this is totally her thoracic thoracic pelvic cylinder is not aligned and the humeral head is forward. This has got to be like big, long chain of um, latissimus and the fact that her elbows are bending. She thinks they're straight because in her, she's got, ten, she's got neural tension from that position of her shoulder. She can't straighten the elbow because it's not been done. <laughs> it's just like, she's got a, yeah, she's got a drag of the lats so she is meeting what is perceived as in range, but it's the soft tissue in range. It's not the joint in range. Um, I would, I would say, get her in quadruped because her elbow looked pretty straight there, and then have her ho hoist her pelvis up, way up on her toes, because she's going to get that lat stretch immediately, and just keep telling her, hold your arms steady, or even put your hands fingers on her triceps, because her brain is not recognizing the that like she should be having the same arms in quad quadruped as she does in uh, down dog it's just her pelvis is higher so she's getting that um shoulder in you know a little bit more flexion i would do that and if that is not if she starts to bend immediately try quadruped with hands on blocks and go from quadruped up also in quadruped i would have her bring her knees in a little bit more because you need to bias her pelvis not going into anterior tilt and when i was looking at her quadruped and i'm like really strict about this her knees were a little bit behind her hip joint so what that means is that pelvis just it's like that little you know it just tips right over and we want the knees, when I was saying in an earlier podcast, the thighs are, the femurs are coming up to support the seat, the, the seat of the stool, what's her pelvis. So her seat was behind her femurs. So it's going to be really easy to tip that seat. And that is going to cause also that 
that tightness of the low back, which is going to transit transfer up into our arms. So take out that neutral pelvis. There's the lats right there. They're huge. They're huge. They run from that. Look at the, they run from their, um, fascial attachments for the pelvis all the way. Yep. To that, the lesser, what is it? Lesser tuberosity yeah, of the humerus. Yeah. So you, they're um, massive. it's massive. So any part of that is restricted, which it is all the way down into her pelvis clearly because of that. Um, and then really work on her scapula positioning. So I bet and at rest, like what I was seeing, her, if her palms are facing back, her scapula are starting off protracted already. Um, and so, yeah, I could go on and on, but you go, KB. No, I. <laughs> it's great when we get vi visual. And so everybody, I hope we describe that if you're just listening to the podcast. But just again, imagine that that weightlifter walking out of the gym and their arms are way out to the side palms go back and it looks like they just can't, you know, they've got that, that real burp look. Yeah. Well, and I think when you, I showed that if you guys were watching on YouTube, I showed a picture of the lad. This is kind of it with all, whoops, with all of the other muscles and, you yeah, know, but look at how um, it goes right into it, that tricep. It is mm -hmm. so massive. And mm -hmm. so you can imagine if you tried to lift this arm up overhead and this was tight, or if you were restricted, shortened all back here, you know, it's not going to happen, you know. It's so like that's putting on an extra small shirt yeah. when you're a small or, or when you're a large and you're like, hey, I can't actually move because it's so restricted. It's that. And so it is. Yeah. And that's because she really, when she was arms at her side, wasn't dramatic. Even like, mm -mm. yes, I definitely saw the quadruped positioning of the pelvis, but she could get her elbows straight. Like yep. know, she's got normal strengthening but as soon as she went overhead that lat if you're watching me i'm just pulling my arm it was pulling her and it was a dramatic bend you know roughly i would say 30 degrees 25 30 degrees of a bend because you can just see that lat pulling down and then and then you're trying to that's what you have to watch the hoisting of the pelvis sometimes will pull from the lat that way which makes that it way. even harder you know so you really have to bend in the knees to get that all that soft tissue restriction i used to have that where you know i would definitely have be tighter in the back i never really had much of as much of the lat tightness but that tightness in the back body i had to you know really work on opening that back fascial line up um because yes when you see her she is a very fit woman who you can tell works out i feel like julie's even sent us stuff about her before i feel like she has an active lifestyle too, if, if I'm not mixing her up with somebody else. So this is a fit woman who is, we see this. Yeah. With these, with these weightlifters where mm -hmm. it's a typical weightlifting body. We see it with guys because guys tend to weightlift more than women. Uh, we saw it in the studio across the board. You would get people lined up along those walls for down dog in the wall. And 95% of the men could not get their elbows straight because of tightness in their lats. Right. Um, and not, and, and, it's not strength by the way. It's uh -uh. just that. And, and yeah. And if you're, if you don't go there um, and then you continue not to go there, your brain doesn't recognize your elbows, not even straight because it's just, all it's feeling is it's feeling a pull. And so the brain again is thinking, Oh, this is as far as I'm going to be able to go. And it's not even taking into the account that you haven't even gotten your elbow in extension. 
So, uh, yeah, so that, that's, I think that's just a lot of fun to work with, mm -hmm. but you have to look at the whole thing. I mean, that tissue on your back is so expansive. It's yeah. so vast, but even though it's thick, it's superficial. So this is, this is something that can change. It'll take some time, but it, you have to change your mechanics because if you don't change your mechanics, it's just going to stay in that that sense of neural tension, fascial uh, restriction, but doing rotation in the thoracic spine, lateral bending in the thoracic spine, keeping working the glutes. I'm going to guess for her body and for as good of a shape as she is, and I'm going to guess her glutes are not being summoned as quickly as they need to be because of the position of her pelvis. So when you're not using your glutes as much, your back is called upon more. So you get that back like more tight. <laughs> you know, you want a strong back, but you don't want it like, you know, it's I always say the rowers in the boat. You don't want like four people doing all the work and the other four drinking beer. Like everybody needs to show up. And those four people are going to get really angry if they're doing all the work. And that's what will show up is that restriction. So yeah, hopefully that helps, Julie. You'll have to get back to us. Yeah. We might even have a part two of this. <laughs> do we have time for one more? Uh, yeah, let's do. Do you have it or you want me to have one? I think you, you can do one. Yeah. Yeah. So this is another glute hamstring question. This is from Laura and I do not know her last name. It's spelled L-A-U-R-A. Hi, Laura. Wondering if you have any thoughts, insight about the obturator internus. Mine is aggravated. I think it's, it's re she says redeeming, but it's probably referring to my glute hip hamstring. I thought it was proximal hamstring tendinopathy, but after a very invasive manual check, they think it's OI, which is obturator internus. Anyway, when it's aggravated, forward folds, even with bent knees are uncomfortable, maybe even more so than straight legs, but I'm mainly asking if you have spoken about this before, can you... Uh, that you can direct me to, or if you have any suggestions for different movement patterns. Thanks so much. Okay. So obturator internus, you want to launch into that? Just talk about what it is. Um, yeah. So the obturator internus is one of our deep six. It's one of our deep rotators of the hip. And again, kind of going back, I don't know if this was this week or last where I was talking about being a recovering <laughs> orthopedic or, uh, you know, physical therapist. It is really hard to isolate. I mean, yes, we can palpate certain muscles, but to really zero in and say, this is obturator in, in turn. It's a pretty, it's a pretty small muscle. <laughs> it's a really it's small like the, muscle. It's a pretty small muscle. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm just pulling it up right here. I happen to have this, this, this app open and I mean, look at how tiny this little it's guy tiny. is. There. Oh, it's so tiny. So yeah. And is, tell them where it runs. Runs yeah, from all six. Yeah. yeah. They all six run to different places, but they're all external rotators. Yeah. So it's coming from the greater trochanter, which is like that bone that sticks out and, you know, coursing right over the, um, pelvic bone and attaching to like the, the inferior portion of the pelvis. So kind of around one of your pubic rami. And so when it contracts, it's going to rotate the, um, the hip out. Now, 
the interesting thing about your hip rotators is it will change a, a lot of them change as with many you know muscles as we move our body the length tension changes in a in a muscle and in some instances especially in the hips and we see this in the shoulders too they'll actually change what they do depending on you know where we are in the body you know so uh, <laughs> the big thing let's talk about where this attaches to the pelvis and the femur ding 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 <laughs> Ding, ding, I, ding was yeah. the first one. The, yeah. the P word, the pelvis. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it is it is such a deep, deep muscle. Um, I would love, Laura, to look at your pelvis and look and see when it's bothering you in a forward fold, you know, what is happening? You know, it's attaching. It's not on the ischial tuberosity on the bottom. It's, all, it's more along the top side, you know, but, you know, what is happening there? Um are you hanging or are you going back to the stool comment? I think even from the uh, last week, you know, are you hanging? Are you sitting or are you lifting up out of it? Um, that can really affect how our body responds specifically in the hips. You know, the hips are our second most mobile joint in the body that they are very stable, but they've got a huge job to transfer the force every time you take a step all the way up through the pelvis to the spine and the littlest you know something that's off can really have a have a big impact so i don't want you to get hung up on obturator internus that is that can really mess with your brain let's take a look at neutral pelvis let's take a look at symmetry in the body you know, when you stand on one leg, look at yourself, stand in front of a mirror, look at yourself when you stand on one leg versus the other. What is the pelvis doing? Look at yourself in airplane. Is it level? You know, where might you be sinking? Where might you be compensating? We see that a lot where some people will lift up to make it easier. So they're actually kind of chilling out, not doing any work with those muscles. So they're extra weak. That muscle, if you look at where it goes, it's a huge stabilizer in an airplane type position. Um, so are we overutilizing it? Are we underutilizing it? Look at both sides. You know, are you are you overusing that side that's getting the crap beat out of it? Um, are you what does your forward fold look like? There's so many things we would dive into this, right, Laura, just to watch. Yeah. yeah. What else do you have to say about that? I agree. There's so many things. I mean, we know this is an external rotator, but I totally agree. I'm even when we say, oh, that's the proximal hamstring, I like it's nice to know the names and know an area that is getting inflicted upon, but it's to me, it's like, well, why? Why is that area barking? Mm -hmm. If the external rotators, and this includes the piriformis, which one, which one of those big six, and piriformis gets it more because it is bigger and attaches more to the sacrum. Um, when people have these different pain of these external rotators, to me, without looking at you, immediately what I would, what I'm going to assume is that you are not stabilizing well with your bigger muscles. And these, ex these external rotators, which do stabilize, but they can't do it all by themselves, are overworking. I would also like to know, like, how are you walking? Do you walk externally rotated? Do you stand externally rotated? Are you kind of constantly having that in some kind of shortened position? 
But forward fold, put a block between your knees the widest way and try that and tell me if it's different. Because what I'm suspecting, when we forward fold, we have gravity helping us. So we can just do it, which is kind of like, I don't want to say collapsing, but or we can control it. So anytime I'm going down to the ground, whether it's folding forward, lowering from plank, whatever, my intention is to slow down gravitational forces. So I want you to think about that. How do you slow that down? You pull those femurs up, you pull the legs of the stool up into the pelvis, the seat, and you move into deeper hip flexion where your pelvis is not, the seat is not tipping over the femur, but the femur is deepening up into the seat. And bending your knees, you said it, it's not gonna change that if you're still going back or out or, or over, you know, and like kind of spilling. That's where having a block between the knees can give you some anchored stability so that you don't, you don't have to contend with the entire leg, but you can really focus on the femur from knee to where it inserts in the pelvis and decelerating with control. That is actually your glute eccentrically slowing you down. You don't need it to be doing that, by the way. I'm not saying every single time you fold forward in life, you have to do that. You're gonna do it really quickly sometime and it might decelerate a little bit, probably, so you don't just spill over, but you really wanna do it intentionally when you're doing a movement practice. You really wanna do it intentionally when you're adding load you want to decelerate. And then you can work on like doing it quicker because that's when the neural firing is going to adapt to the speed. Um, but those are my recommendations. There's probably a lot more. I'd want to know what's going on in the pelvic floor, what's going on in your deep core muscles. But start there. Put a block between your legs. Bend your knees. Go as slow as you can with a nice long spine. And feel, I want you to actually feel the femur move back where it, you almost will feel like pressure on the sit bone that's not there. It's, it's just the, it's the tension of that glute being stretched. It's like the bow and arrow, like get it back there and see if you can stay there and not feel it in the area. And if you feel it in an area, okay, your brain is ready for that response. You got to retrain it. Much more to say, but you know what to do. Tell us how it goes, Laura. <laughs> As always, we are pulling for you. We would love to hear from you. So please write us at on Instagram, laura.hyman or kbwilliams99. And you can reach us via email at support at lityoga.com, L-Y-T-Yoga.com. We will get that and it will be sent to us. And we, we just keep these in a little folder and, and kind of make our way through them, you know, and if yours don't get answered, we're going to get to it. So it, we, we, we do get a lot of these and sometimes they're repeats. So we might not say your name, but it's still your, your question that somebody else asked too. So, uh, you know, please keep sending them in. And, and even we've had people say, Hey, you never answered mine. It's like, Oh gosh, that, that that'll be our little reminder. So we, yes. we really want to get to these for each and every one of you. Yeah. Add to our Rolodex. We're here for you. And as I said, we're pulling for you. Woo! Woo! <laughs>
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.